from the land of warmth and sunshine <laughs> are Kirsten St. John and Emma Veron of Zoetic. I'm glad to have the two of you here on The Antidote. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much. I'd like to hear about the history of Zoetic's music. I mean, I do have the self-titled EP from 2018. Was that the beginning? It was the beginning, yeah. I uh, got out of college. Uh, I'm Kirsten, by the way, the, the songwriter and the founder of Zoetic. Um, in college, I was a music composition major. I thought I was going to go into film scoring. And then towards the end of college, I was assigned a paper. And so I ended up writing the paper on the current state of the Christian music industry. And what I did is I took basically the top 50 songs of what was currently popular on Christian radio. And I listened to all of them and I analyzed them from both musical and a lyrical standpoint and became honestly depressed as I heard all of them sounding very similar musically and very similar uh, lyrically. And that was a far cry from the Christian music that I grew up with. I grew up with the old Michael Davies Smith, Stephen Curtis Chapman. I grew up with DC Talk and Reliant K and Switchfoot. And, you know, Emma and I both did. And, you know, when I heard what was currently on the radio at the time, it was, I believe, 2016. And I started analyzing all that and found that everything kind of sounded musically the same um, and very much lyrically the same. I began to rethink the path that I had set where I thought I was going to go into film scoring and, and say, maybe I need to apply some of this musical training in this area because my faith is so important to me. And so then I got out of college and about a year later I started Zoetic and I released that self-titled EP with a different singer. And then I brought Emma on in, uh, in 2020 at the beginning of the pandemic. And uh, we've been working together ever since. Well, let me pull in one of the songs from that EP. That's really a standout secret Pharisee. Having faith only on the surface, but not actually living it out. Mm -hmm. Have you met many people like that? Um, so I actually wrote that song. It was more of just how I would go into a church service and approach it the complete wrong way. Because I'm a musician, I would analyze the worship team and I would make all these comments to my husband about, you know, the worship team or whatever, what was going on in the church. And I was doing all of that instead of worshiping because it was very hard for me to get out of my musician mindset. And so I, I kind of wrote it more about that, but I definitely have seen to a degree, all of us struggle with living out our faith in, in different areas. And then of course there are certain people who absolutely do put on a front and, you know, maybe say that they are Christians, but their life reflects otherwise. Of course, we, we all know examples of people like that as well. You did mention that on the EP that Zoetic had a different vocalist. Then what happened? Yeah, so the vocalist was my best friend at the time, Brianna. She was in a near-fatal car accident. Oh. Praise Jesus, she is okay. She has made an almost full recovery. It's, it's basically a miracle. We thought she was going to die. She was in the ICU for about two weeks. And that was um, about a month before the EP actually came out. So we had finished all the vocals and I was vocal editing at the time and getting ready to submit it. And that happened. And after that, um, it damaged her hearing. Um, and so she was unable to sing for a while without having a lot of pain. And so I started to think maybe I need to look for a different vocalist just because of, of that situation. She did have a great voice. Yeah. Because that EP also had a gorgeous track called Only You. It's all about seeking God for help. 
Mm-hmm. What brought that on? That song was written a really long time ago. That song was one of the oldest songs I've written. I think I wrote it when I was 16. Um, at that time, I was struggling with, um, I mean, all teenagers to a degree struggle with identity and, and mental health to a degree, but I, I was definitely going through that. I was at a new school um, having a really difficult time there. And I wrote that song as kind of a cry out to God during that time. And um, even though I released it when I was, I believe, 22 years old, so that was six years after I wrote it, it was such a good and powerful song for me that I, I, I thought that I could re-release it later. I'm always hunting for music that doesn't come from cookie-cutter bands. What makes Zoetic stand out is that you don't sound like anyone else that I can think of in the Christian music machine. I mean, can you guys think of anybody else who's doing jazz fusion with a Christian focus? Um, there are a few artists who we've seen um, like have some jazz influence, but I can't really think of anyone who who sounds quite like us. I don't mean that to be egotistical, but that's part of the reason why I started Zoetic was because I wanted to write the music I wanted to hear. <laughs> and <laughs> I wasn't hearing it. And so I felt like, well, I should write it. <laughs> that was kind of the thought process. So there are a few that have started to infuse some jazz influence, but we're both influenced by a lot of secular musicians. And so I think that the musicality of that hopefully comes through a little bit in what we do. But being different, isn't that a struggle? I mean, Zoetic could be considered a tough sell. It is a tough sell. I think that is because we're not safe enough musically to be considered usually for mainstream Christian radio. So a lot of the response, even when we submit to playlists in the Christian arena, is your music is too out there. You're too experimental. Um, you know, you, you do too many solos. It's too flashy. It's really fascinating to me that that's the case, though, because, you know, as Christians, we serve an infinitely creative God, and we should strive to reflect that through the music that we make. And a lot of people see Christian music as not as good as secular music, and I think that Christians sometimes shoot themselves in the foot with that, where they embrace that. Like, let's not be too creative, let's not be too flashy, and I think that the world notices that, and they'd say, well... I would just rather listen to secular music in that case. And so it's a hard sell in the mainstream Christian arena because, you know, I don't want to keep every song three minutes with the exact same, like I want to be able to introduce interesting instruments or solos or even time changes, key changes. I want to be able to let my musical creativity kind of dictate that. And um, that's a hard sell on Christian radio. And then with secular music, we also want to have a strong message, too, because our faith is very important to us, and we want to write about our faith. And so often we find that we're too Christian to be secular or considered a crossover artist, um, but we're too weird musically to be mainstream Christian. So we kind of fall in that weird gap. I mean, I don't really know how to fix that other than just to keep doing what we're doing. It sounds like you're falling into that big chasm. Yeah. <laughs> sort of like the antidote where Christian music doesn't suck. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you've just got to do what you've got to do. Right. Here's something I've been curious about. Was going with fusion jazz a conscious choice, or is it simply a passion for you? So our first EP, as you probably have heard, sounds a lot different. Um, at that point, I was a lot more into progressive rock and metal and so our first EP, even though I'm mainly a pianist, was kind of like piano progressive rock kind of-ish. Mm -hmm. um, 
And that was kind of what I was interested in at the time when I was 22. Um, as I've gotten older, I've definitely become more interested in jazz fusion. Even through college, I started to really get into jazz and get jazz trained. Um, and so I became more interested in that as time has gone on. I've kind of switched my interest over into that area. And at the same time, Emma's voice is just a lot better in the jazz fusion arena. Uh, she's a lot more comfortable in that arena than she is in the rock arena. Uh, my other singer, Brianna, the one I had on the first EP, she's much more comfortable with rock. And so it was a little bit of playing to the singer that I that I have, but I love both genres. So I also felt like jazz fusion would be more marketable since pop is kind of what is hot right now. I thought maybe I could use pop production, but sneak in these cool jazz harmonies or jazz chords that I really enjoy. And so that was kind of the thought process behind that direction. I became interested in jazz fusion more. I thought it was a little bit more marketable and it fit Emma's voice a lot better. I do hear what you're saying, but I still hear a bit of that prog rock coming through even on newer songs like The Other Way. Yeah, well, that one was more of a, we're going to try one more song with this progressive type of style and see how it goes. But Emma, let's just put it, it was not a natural fit for her to sing that one as much as it was some of our other songs. And so after we tried that, that was kind of our last little foray into prog rock. And now, I mean, we want to still be musically creative and interesting, but we're going to pursue a pop direction a little bit more, but still keeping it jazzy as well. Emma, we've been talking over top of you this whole time. <laughs> so That's okay. let's bring you out front. Yes. Your first go on vocals was on the 2020 single Spark. Yes. What was it like recording that song? Um, it was definitely, I think, different than I expected it would be in that uh, I think I always assumed you just sing the whole song all the way through and then you just go with the best take. But we just kind of took it section by section and just like worked through the song and worked through rhythms. Um, so yeah, it was a cool experience just kind of figuring out how it works um, and then learning from that experience with the next few songs. Yeah, she she hadn't recorded any vocals before that point. So it was like a that was a completely new experience for her. Wow, that's so cool. Something else about this is that I do realize, Kirsten, that you do the songwriting. But Emma, you've got to be on the same page to be able to do this properly. Yeah, I think what we usually do is she writes the song and then she plays it for me and just kind of gets my reaction. That doesn't necessarily change it, but kind of gets my uh, perspective on the song. We sometimes work on it together, but it is definitely more Kirsten. So you seriously have never taken Kirsten aside and said, are you nuts? Why are we doing this? <laughs> she did with The Other Way. We had some discussions about that, that song. I, I really wanted to try something super proggy and more rock oriented and see how she would do with that. Um, while I think she re recorded it well, it took a lot of work for us to record that song. And that's what really made us decide to go the more jazz route. So definitely Emma contributes. Um, I usually, as she said, I usually play some sort of scratch track for her. And then she jumps in if she thinks that anything could be worded differently. Like sometimes it's just words are awkward when they're sung after they're written. Sometimes it's the melody is too high or too difficult. There's been situations like that. So I, I get her perspective on that. And sometimes she has small things to correct, but usually what we end up recording sounds a lot like the draft. I want to bring up something about your music because I've gone through the Zoetic songs, Kirsten. 
many of the songs have very strong opinions. What I'm picking up is that you have a black and white viewpoint. Does gray never come into it? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I think that's just partially my personality. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty blunt and straightforward in my daily life. And so it kind of makes sense that that would come through in my songwriting. And, you know, lyrics have always been hard for me. <laughs> and music has always come naturally in lyrics. I really have to sit down for hours and work out exactly what I want to say. You know, we've had points like this brought up before where it's like, you guys seem to have an agenda or something. You know, that's probably true. We have strong opinions about things and we, and we tend to share them through our music. That being said, I never want that to get in the way of the quality of the music itself. To me, I think things can have a strong message, but also be crafted well. And to me, that's what's really important. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm an opinionated person, so that probably does come through in the songs. <laughs> Don't you hate that term, agenda? Yeah. <laughs> it's like you're trying to do something sneaky and slide something past someone. Yeah, and, and as you said, there's nothing really sneaky about my writing style. And for better or for worse, that's just kind of how it is. I'd like to get a little bit more poetic as time goes on, but that's just not how I've been writing. Well, let's talk about how you do some of that writing. Okay. Because when I heard the first couple verses of Worth It, I was thinking the song was about living your dreams, but it's really about following God's will. Yes. In the case of Zoetic, did the two of those mesh? Yeah, so Emma and I will both speak to this, but basically I wrote that song because um, before I had been working with Emma only on weekends, and then I, I, I made the decision to kind of work with her part-time and just make Zoetic much more of a prominent thing. It had already been very prominent in my life, but also very prominent in her life as well. Um, she had uh, recently quit her other job for other reasons, and... I was kind of drowning in work from everything. And so I kind of hired her part time. And that was very, very scary to do. We never would be doing anything like that. Or if we were, it would be a long time down the road. But God made it evident that that was what was supposed to happen at that time. And so during all that time of, of just confusion and anxiety about potentially doing that, I started to write the song Worth It. And that was the first song that we released after I made that decision to bring her on in a bigger capacity. And so it's a song that really means a lot to both of us because we were both kind of going through that change together. Whereas previous songs that I had written had been either before I met Emma or just about experiences that she wasn't involved in. Yes, that was definitely the first song that I connected to in that way. I think the other songs like I related to but this one was definitely just like she said about um, just following that calling and following God's mission. And I was definitely not expecting to do that. But I think with conversations with a family and my sister and they were all just encouraging us that this is what God wants us to do. And this is what God wants me to do with my life. So it was definitely a scary decision, but definitely the right decision for both of us. Doing Zoetic, is it work or is it really enjoyable? Um, if, if you can call it a job, it's the best job ever. I mean, I get to write music. We get to do a lot of really fun stuff for social media. We have very active Instagram and, and TikTok pages. Um, Zoetic underscore music. I don't want to plug, but. Go <laughs> but, for it. But anyways, it, it is that. And I get to work with my best friend. So it's, it's really fun. But it, I mean, it is work. And because we're doing something that isn't really being done how we're doing it in this industry. 
there are discouraging days and there are days where the road seems long and and we're not really sure how long it's going to take. We want to be a viable alternative from mainstream Christian music, but that's hard again when we fall in that gap. And so there are days where that gap seems, you know, the gap between secular music and Christian music. And there's days where that gap seems really large. And so that can be discouraging. So some days it definitely feels like work. Everybody has parts of their job they don't like. It's no different for us. But in general, we are extremely blessed to be able to do what we do. You know, something with the music of Zoetic is that you bring in topics that I guess are annoying you. I mean, that's almost a punk type of attitude. It's reactionary. So is the point of your music meant to fire people up? Um, I mean, I guess so. Some of our songs certainly do. I don't know if I'm going for making people feel a certain way as much as it is. I have, I think annoyance is a great word for it. I have things particularly in the church that annoy me. And uh, I get to, that's an outlet for me to write about it. And sometimes we get compared to Steve Taylor and, you know, his lyrics and how he was kind of fiery with, with certain topics like that. When I interviewed Steve Taylor, I said to him, aren't you a rebel with a cause? Exactly. <laughs> he laughed it off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he, he inspired me lyrically from a very young age. And so I've probably taken some of that influence in. Uh, but yeah, I mean... Every one of our songs, I want to be different. And so, for instance, Imposter can fire people up, but I want Worth It to be an encouragement to people who are thinking about following the call of the Lord. And then I want only you to be sympathetic to people who are going through difficulties in their mental health. And each song is going to have a different purpose. You know, a couple times you've mentioned about the current Christian music scene. Mm Mm-hmm. And how, you know, you are critical of it. Do you think there's anybody worth listening to right now? I mean, besides Soetic, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do. I, I think everybody's worth listening to. It's just a matter of I want there to be more options. It's not that I think that there's anything necessarily wrong with the options that are there, a lot of it is is inspirational sounding and it, and it's very safe. And it's not like I don't think music like that should exist. It's not like I'm saying that those artists need to stop or anything. I just wish there was more options. I mean, again, back in even the late 90s, early 2000s, you had Christian rock artists, you had Christian rappers, you had Christians who were more in pop, you had all sorts of different types of, of Christian artists and we've really lost that because we've merged it more with like worship music that is sung in church. So I'm not saying that nobody's worth listening to. I'm just saying I wish there were additional options, I guess, that were more outside of just that one type of sound. I totally understand and totally agree. I brought up the point a little bit earlier about your music meaning to fire people up. Mm-hmm. You also have a little bit of that on the song Strong Enough to Break where it says, wake up, don't give in to anything that they demand. Take it. Courage finds you when you take the stand. That really doesn't make it sound as if you could consider yourself part of a fringe minority. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Without getting too much into it, that song was a little bit more political in nature than our previous work or any work since. Uh, That was less specifically about the church, and it was just more about 
feeling like, you know, sometimes we're unable to say common sense things that everyone has known to be true throughout all of human history. And so that was the frustration behind that song. And that and that's where that song came out of. We can't miss getting into your latest song, Imposter. It opens up with, where's the interest? When's the next attraction? Be the one they seek. Keep them laughing. Put some coffee out or they'll stay home next week. <laughs> you know, now I can top all that because I can just go onto Facebook and find out which church gives the best snacks. <laughs> okay, but seriously, the message of imposter is about the church being afraid to offend. Yeah. Is that such a bad thing? Uh, so that's part of the message. I think the other part of it is just this insatiable need that everybody has to a degree to be liked by everybody and the world. I don't necessarily think we should seek to be hated intentionally, but um, you know, Jesus said a lot of things about <laughs> if they hate you, remember they hated me first. It doesn't mean we go out and intentionally be mean or terrible. In, in, in contrast, that, sh that shouldn't be the case at all. But um, it does mean that when we stand up for our beliefs and we stand up for what is true, what the Bible says is true, that isn't going to necessarily translate to a high approval rating. And I was writing specifically about pastors who care tremendously, maybe too much about being liked. And again, all of us have struggled with this, right? But when pastors do this specifically, sometimes what that means is putting too much of an emphasis on fun programs at the church. There's nothing wrong with having fun programs in balance, but you know, or the coffee bar that they have, or that was where that line came from, or, you know, the next event, or it's about, you know, keeping them entertained and, and making it more of like a comedy skit than an actual message. Again, all of this in moderation is fine. But if, if you're doing all of these things and not speaking the truth of the gospel and speaking the truth of the Bible every chance you get, then you're not doing your job as a pastor. And so that was where that song came out of, is just more of seeing how cowardice has really infiltrated into some of these pulpits. There are plenty of great churches out there, and um, Emma and I both go to them. We love our churches, but that was just kind of what we had both noticed. And so that is where that song comes out of. The job of a pastor is to preach the gospel, and it isn't just to be liked by their congregation and people coming in. The Bible is a complicated book, and there are obviously a lot more than just one interpretation of it. That's why we have so many different Protestant branches. So I, I'm not saying that there isn't any room for interpretation in the Bible. Of course, there is. I'm just saying I want a church that is doing their best to interpret Scripture the best that they can um, and and is, is trying to be really conscientious about that and is not getting distracted by a bunch of other things. So Attica has been releasing a whole series of singles. So is that the future plan for the band? Yeah, great question. So uh, what we've kind of decided to do moving forward is, so we have an EP coming out in June, and that is going to include the three singles that we have previously released that would be worth it, Strong Enough to Break, and Imposter, all three of those, as well as two more songs that we have not released yet. The title of that EP is Courage and Cowardice. Um, it is all about um, different aspects of courage versus cowardice because we think that that's the lyrical theme that ties together Imposter Strong Enough to Break and Worth It. It also ties these other two songs that are coming out as well, even though these other two songs are very different. 
um, than the previous three we've released. So that will be happening in June. From that point on, we kind of like to go as the EP direction. So basically, we want to release an EP on a different topic every year, maybe even more than once a year, but we're going to at least start it once a year. Um, the EP will probably be five to six songs. And all five or six songs are going to explore that topic from different sides. So this topic for this EP was Courage and Cowardice. The topic for our next EP is going to be identity. Basically, if our sin nature is a part of our identity or if it's separate, it's exploring basically our what our identity should be in Christ versus our personal struggle with sin. So the EP that we release after the one that comes out in June, uh, that one's going to be a lot more personal, which will be really interesting. And we will explore that topic of basically identity versus um, sin nature throughout uh, those five to six songs that we put on that next EP. And then we're going to do a different topic. So that's kind of the way we want to go about it. Exploring a topic in depth from five or six different angles through five or six different songs with each subsequent EP. I can't wait to hear that. Well, listen, it's been great having the two of you on the show. And thanks so much for giving your time to The Antidote. Thank you so much for interviewing us. It's a great honor. Thank you so much.